0: Power Trip of Wrestling. I'm your host JP John Paz with me today. Very special guest formerly known as Bull Dempsey in NXT. He is of course the last of a dying breed Mr. Bull James. Bull welcome back to the Two Man Power Trip. How are you doing?
1: Good man it's great to see you again. We were just talking off camera uh, but it's it's good to reconnect with you. You were always a very good guy, guy to me and uh, I, I love what you guys are doing so I'm happy to be
0: back. Thank you thank you and it's funny with you and a lot of wrestlers it's like Do they remember certain matches and stuff they have? And do the fans remember when uh, a few years ago when you wrestled Kevin Thorne? I don't know if you remember this (laughs) outside. Oh my God, I can't forget. I was like, that was great because you didn't quite know what to expect. I know Thorne, obviously, he can be a little stiff and stuff. It's like, let's see, Bull's (laughs) going to give it back to him. But man, that Max, you guys were crazy. You went all over the place. That was awesome. He he actually owns a potato farm. I don't know if you knew that or not. (laughs) I I believe it. Yeah. I remember that. I was like, man, the wild field of Indianapolis. Yeah. It's stiff the- bastard.
1: <laughs> oh, that was so much fun, man. I remember going down that slide and everybody was like, you guys have to get back in the ring. Everybody's pissed at you. We're like, all right, sorry.
0: <laughs> That's one of those paid shows, right? Where it's it's somebody else's place and you guys got to be careful. Like one of those things.
1: Um, I'm not sure how it was all worked out. Um, I, think they, you know, I think it was just a rented spot, but... You know, it's the boys will be the boys sometimes. And if you tell them not to do something, sometimes guys just, oh, it's, it's a challenge, you know, so.
0: Yeah. Didn't expect to see two huge guys going down a slide and getting thrown into a fence. I mean, it was awesome.
1: <laughs> but, hey, the people loved it. So that's all that matters.
0: Yeah, that was the best match of the night by far. Everyone was yeah, nuts for that match. Yeah, thanks. that was great. So what's going on with you? What's going on in your world?
1: Uh, you know, just getting uh, kind of breaking back into everything after COVID. Um, doing some TV production stuff uh, with some uh, cable shows. I can't really get into it because of non-disclosure agreements and everything, but it's kept me busy throughout the pandemic and uh, kept my bills paid. So I'm grateful for that. And just getting back in the ring. I just had a, a match with Outlaw Wrestling in Queens the other day uh, back at ISPW, which I'm glad has started back up. Uh, it was one of my favorite places to work before WWE. And uh, I'm just glad to see Tommy's back running again. Um, and just, you know, opening the schedule back up and, and just getting back in the swing of things, you know, I've missed, uh, I've missed the fans and, um, I've, I've missed being in a wrestling ring. So it's really exciting.
0: ISPW, of course, 325 totowa New Jersey. That's going to be, uh, going to be a good one. Of course, com for all take information, but you and HC Loke are going go to go to
1: ISPW.
0: Yes. Good call. And H.C. Loke, right? That's the match uh, yes. signed up for you that night. That's a good one.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've known Loke uh, for years and years. Actually, the first time we got to know each other was at the last uh, the last incarnation of ISPW, which was a lot of shows in Freehold, New Jersey. And uh, Loke was always good to me. and uh, But, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to be so good to him on the 25th because I'm on a bit of a losing streak and I want to end that.
0: A lot of guys have told me ISPW kind of, you know, the resurgence has gave them new life and new love for the business. I I love hearing that. Yeah. I mean,
1: it's the locker room is amazing. Uh, Tommy knows what he's doing. Tommy Fierro. Um, and between the wrestling collector store and ISPW and uh, you know, his virtual signings, like he's killing it right now. So to, to be running shows while his, uh, social media pages are so popular. It's just kind of working hand-in-hand, hand, and it's really, really cool to be a part of.
0: Feels like there's so much going on with him, though, right? I mean, he's so busy with all that other stuff. Now he's doing oh, yeah. a musical, too, right? Isn't he doing a Broadway show?
1: Yeah, yeah, and then there's there's that on the horizon as well. Um, but, you know, Tommy was one of the first promoters outside of ECPW, where I trained in Jersey, like to give me a shot um, when I was 18, 17, 18 years old. So Tommy and I go back a long way and there's a lot of history there and it's kind of cool to be able to come full circle, especially after the pandemic. And I think, um, you know, emotions are running high and people are kind of sentimental about things. It's like the perfect, the the perfect story. So it's really great to be a part of again.
0: I remember going to his conventions like 20 years ago when he was like dominating the convention scene. So I've known him for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's always,
1: he's always done great and drawn, drawn a great crowd and, uh, You know, it's with with that experience and then with the experience he got in in the business world before the pandemic hit. I mean, he's really on a roll right now. And like I said, it's it's so cool to be a part of it. And and I'm just happy for him and I'm happy for for all the guys and girls getting work through him. Um, It's it's good for everybody. It's good for the fans. It's good for the wrestlers. It's it's good for the business.
0: I saw pictures, obviously, from the, the last show that they had. Sold out like busy the crowd seemed into it. It's kind of old school in in a certain sense.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where Tommy's smart and he'll give he'll give a little bit for everybody. You know, there's there's a match there that will draw a different type of fan in, like throughout the card, you know. So you'll have some old school matches, you'll have some legends you'll have like some really fast paced matches, you'll have some women's matches, he really spreads things out and makes it different for the audience and it's really really cool.
0: When you did get it, you know first get into the business and you started it was with Gino Caruso, that's like the original trainer.
1: I started at Gino's school. Um he was training a little bit um but he, you know, I was I was there four days a week. And so he would you know, I'd go in there on a Monday afternoon and you know, if he had to like run errands he would just let me roll around by myself. You know, he was really, really giving to me in that aspect. Um, But at the time, as much as he was training people, he also wasn't because there was a lot of shows he was running. There was a lot going on, but I got fortunate because Kodiak bear was there and he started running some classes and then Judas young came back and was rehabbing a knee injury. And so he used to roll around with me. And then Danny Inferno moved back from deep South after he got released and uh, he started helping me out and really took me under his wing and then from there it was you know Crowbar and Danny Doring and Nunzio and like it just kind of snowballed into like all these guys starting to help mold me and it was really really cool and I'm really grateful for all of them
0: and it's awesome that they're all pretty much a big part of ISPW Crowbar and Doring I mean it's pretty good absolutely Nunzio.
1: like I said man it's it's such a full circle thing for me that's why it's so special so
0: when you are training and you are coming along what is like your goal like in wrestling? Was it to make it WWE? Was that like the long goal or, or not so much? You just wanted to be a wrestler?
1: I mean, I wanted I just wanted to be a wrestler first and foremost. But for me it was always WWE. You know, it was
0: I'm gonna make a living doing
1: this and I'm gonna support my loved ones through this, and there's no way around that. That's what I'm gonna do. Um you know, obviously just being in the business is special. Um and Um, If I would have just gotten that, I'd probably still be just as happy, you know, like, don't get me wrong. But that was always the goal is if you're going to get into something, especially something that's so taxing on your body, taxing on relationships, um, taxing on on your mental health, you you should probably want to go as far as you can, you know. And so that's how I always kind of looked at it.
0: How do you deal with stuff like that, though, like uh, for the mental health and for like relaxation or even injuries? How do you kind of handle that?
1: I mean, everybody's different, you know, and that's why I think that we need to start having the mental health conversations. Um, you know, Chris Nowinski does a great job, but a lot of times that's after people are already gone, you know, because you can't yeah, really true. study somebody's brain while they're still here. Maybe they can now. I don't know. It's been a minute since I've really looked into it. But um, I know Braun Strowman, Adam Scher, he just started um, a mental health app. I know uh, there's BetterHelp, obviously. There's a lot of apps and stuff out there um, that are pretty affordable and it's, it just helps to talk to somebody, you know?
0: For sure. Is it very hard on the road? Cause sometimes you're alone most of the, you know, not most of the time, but could be a, a good chunk. Is it hard being alone and being on the road and traveling and, you know, you'd be a little lonely out there. Sure. And I mean, you know,
1: I have a therapist that I talk to, you know, a couple times a month and he's awesome. Um, I wish I would have had him when I was under contract, to be honest with you. Um, But it it wasn't something that I ever felt I needed. Uh, I was, always, and I, you know, and to this day, I'm still pretty level headed. It's, but I feel like, especially during a pandemic and people are dying, I'd rather be proactive about it and and be preemptive than fall into like a rut and be depressed and, oh my God, this is terrible. And then like, it just starts to dwindle, you know? Um, So I made that choice. And it's been awesome. And I, again, I wish I had, I wish I had made that choice when I was there. But yeah, the grind eats you up. It does, and um, it's one of those things though that we we know what we signed up for. So to act surprised that the grind mm-hmm. is going to eat you up, you know, you, you got to be able to see it coming.
0: Is it like a teletherapy thing? Do you like call them or like uh, Zoom? Yeah, or you whatever? Can do
1: like like this, like video chat or text or call. You know, so it's pretty cool.
0: See, that's great, because even if you're, I don't know, in the in, in a hotel or, you know, traveling, you could still talk to them.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm in a hotel now talking to you, and it's kind of the yeah. same setup, so it, yeah. makes, it makes it super simple. So, no, it's great.
0: I feel like maybe that's something that could be included for wrestlers, you know, maybe in their contract or something going forward, like, opportunity to have that kind of...
1: I mean, look, WWE does a lot for everybody down there, and I'm sure that on the horizon, like, there will be a couple of sports uh, psychiatrists or whatever in there. Um, I would not be surprised.
0: So, with you and like as you're coming along, is Taz like a part of the training or when does Taz like kind of come into your life?
1: So, first it was Matt Bourne.
0: Oh, Uh, that's right. That's right. Okay.
1: Yeah. Matt had taken me under his wing um, and changed up a lot of the stuff I was doing in the ring. And then Taz opened his finishing school. And I applied and it was supposed to be for six weeks or eight weeks and then like two sessions a week. Um, but at the end of it, he had taken such a liking to me. He said, I want you to come back for every, uh, every group that comes in every six week or eight week group that comes in. He goes, I want you to be here and be like the example. And he goes, I won't charge you a dime. I just want you to be here. And I was like, yeah, obviously sign me up. I'm in. Um, And then he he turned him in between him and Matt Bourne, I really started being a more serious wrestler. Uh, Whereas before, like I was doing a lot of gimmick stuff and I was doing the baby gimmick and all that kind of thing. Like, um, so it really kind of did a total 180 for me in terms of character and how I was like portraying myself to people.
0: How is Taz like as a trainer and Uh, you know the the perception is you know he could be pretty tough. You know what I mean? He could be a hard guy.
1: No, he can. But him and I you know, we're both, we're both Brooklyn kids. You know, we both grew up in Brooklyn. We both grew up tough. Um, we both grew up fighting. So, I mean, it's, there's a, there's a respect there that goes deeper than wrestling. Um, and yeah, he was always very, very giving to me. I mean, to this day, he's, he really, really is the man, but you know, so I've, I've been so fortunate because everybody that has taken time to help me has always been so selfless with me. And it really is, uh, It's humbling when I think about it, and I I don't think about it enough. Um, Obviously, with Scott Hall passing away, that kind of hit me because I started thinking about how big of a supporter he was of mine, and I'm jumping a little ahead here in our discussion, but it kind of made me rethink how grateful I am for all the guys that came before me that have helped me so much over the years.
0: Now, when did you meet Scott Hall? Obviously, you just passed away. When did you meet Scott?
1: Um, I mean, we had met in passing on the Indies. But I never really like got to talk to him. Um, But then uh, when I was in NXT, he came down to guest coach, and I went up to say hi to him, and he's like, "Hey, man, you're my favorite guy on the show." And I'm like, "All right, who told you to say that to mess with me? You know, like I thought he was ripping me. I did." Yeah. You know, when you're in that bubble and there's so many talented people, like a lot of people don't have an ego. They're not there like I'm the best one here. You're just trying to do your best to make the whole product better. And for him to say that, I was, like, looking around, waiting for somebody to start laughing, you know. And he did it. And he, instead, he he said, uh, he goes, they got some kid driving me around this weekend, but I'm going to tell them I'm riding with you. I was like, okay. Like, I'm not going to say no. Right. Um, and that was it, man. Like, we rode together that whole weekend. He was in my car. and We were just going, like, eating and being late to shows. And then I was getting taken off shows. And then he was like, screw this. I'm not staying here. you're not working this is stupid um and it was like a whole weekend of shenanigans that i hadn't had since i was on the indies and it kind of gave me that mindset of like stop stop treating this so so serious like obviously it's a serious thing but stop caring in a sense of just let loose and have fun and don't let all the all the side nonsense kind of like get in your head and, and make you uh distract you from the ultimate goal which is to have fun and make money you know
0: man hall is great i worked with him like four times i think it was he's just so cool we literally had yeah. spent like a whole full day like almost like 24 hours together because it was a signing then we had to drive someplace late at night this this place nothing <laughs> nothing nefarious he had a booking at a strip club of all places mm. which was crazy but we drove all night to get there and then of course <laughs> he's booked it like i think it was like midnight to two or three in the morning then they had to drive him all the way back so i spent all day and night with him didn't drink at all. He goes. He goes, bro. He's like, cause obviously, this was later in his life, and obviously he got cleaner. I mean, this is right. like three or four years ago. But he was basically gave me like life lessons along the way. Oh yeah. There was two really nice hotels. They put him in the real expensive one, but they're on the same street. He's like, I told these guys, why would you book me there? You could have saved two hundred dollars. Book me here. It's on the same street. They're both nice. So <laughs> like, his thought process was just even for that was like great. I, I loved yeah. him.
1: No, he he was absolutely a genius and. Um again just another guy that I'm fortunate enough to have kind of everything aligned and we crossed paths when we did um just what a guy and a, a huge loss for the business absolutely
0: man one of the best they always say game changers he legit game changer in wrestling Absolutely. what do you think about riding in that car with him i mean that's all, that's awesome oh, man, a it, lot?
1: Was, it was great it was you know it's a it's a dream come true for a kid that grew up On wrestling, you know, and especially grew up in New York on WWF and going to the garden, you know. I mean, it's, but you know, I was also, there's that side of you that's still a fan, but then there's a side of you that's like, okay, this is cool. Now ask him questions and bother him and learn, you know. And I did a lot of learning that day. And it's just, you know, open your eyes and your ears and shut your mouth.
0: What was some advice that he gave you?
1: Uh, people can sign up to get trained by me to hear that. I'm not going to show that. No, (laughs) no,
0: it
1: it was just a lot of save your money, you know, always help the younger guys, you know, and be willing to evolve, but also don't abandon what got you to the dance. You know, um, a lot of the bigger guys at that time were starting to do a lot of cruiserweight stuff. And he was like, just keep kicking ass and let those guys kill their bodies. People want to see people beat each other up. They don't care about the flips and all that. So don't start trying to do it. You're just gonna get hurt. It's like you got something good, you gotta run with it. Because if you're getting a reaction doing that, you're doing it right. So and you know, I always kinda that always stuck with me.
0: I feel like he has like so much or had so much knowledge to give, and he was giving it to a lot of the young guys. I, I that was one thing. Yeah. Some guys that are great, they just don't give it back. He seemed like he gave it back tenfold.
1: Oh, absolutely. 100%. He was, again, one of those guys that was special in in and out of the ring.
0: He's so funny, too. Like some of the stories, you know, people would say, like he would say, I'm kicking out of your finisher and stuff. Like he would just kind of do stuff to raz you and kind of keep it light. But, you know, see how you would react. He was like not testing you, but almost like testing you. See how you react. It's not
1: even I think he just would walk into a room and know that everybody like everybody was so uptight. And like, oh, hello, sir. Nice to meet you.
0: <laughs> right. You
1: know, and he would just, and they, would, oh, how are you, sir? And he'd be like, better than you. And it was, it was like such a dick thing, but it was said in such a great way that like you had no choice but to laugh. Yep. And then like you know, it would be like some unassuming guy, like I said, that was uptight, and he would hear that and be like, oh, okay, yes, sir. Nice to meet you. And it's like, dude, calm down. He's messing right. with you. It's okay. You know, and it's, again, one of those lessons of, like, you know, don't get too comfortable, but also, like, don't be so uptight that you take things too serious, you know?
0: Yep. And I feel like that's why him and Goldberg had a little bit of a a riff because Goldberg was very ultra serious and he was light and obviously would poke fun. And, you know, he's he's a big guy, too. He's not going to back down if somebody's trying to you know, be tough back with him. So I don't know. I guess it was just oil and water. They Those two just didn't mix.
1: I guess. I mean, I wasn't there, and I never really talked to Scott about it, so I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, I would, I would assume you're right.
0: So with Taz, just going back to him and yeah. finishing school and just kind of rewind just for a minute, mm-hmm. when you're with Taz and stuff, do you, like, just not take moves, but what do you kind of take – from him, because it's finishing school. So, like, what are you taking with him that's like, okay, now I'm definitely ready to be a professional wrestler, like, on a bigger scale?
1: Well, we would just, uh, a lot of promo work, um, a lot of matches, and, you know, we would, it was all guys with experience, so we would be out working on the weekends and then come back with copies of our matches, you know? So, like, then he would sit there and critique the matches, and then we'd go out the next weekend and try to do stuff that we talked about all week. And it was a lot of him coaching us up, you know, while we were actively working indies, which you don't, you know, a lot of times you don't get unless you're at like a reputable school. So it was um, it was really cool. He really, really took his time and, and helped. And with anything else, people slipped through the cracks that shouldn't be there. And he tried his best to weed them out. Uh, but it was overall just a great experience for I think everybody involved. I think everybody got something out of being there.
0: With Matt Bourne, Where do you meet him? Because I always thought he was like a West Coast guy. Like, where do you meet Matt Bourne?
1: He had moved to New Jersey and uh, actually started working for ISPW. And his first match for Tommy was with me.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: Yeah. And we just hit it off. And we went and had the match. And we didn't talk about anything. And after the match, he was like, kid, you're great. You're staying at my house tonight. Okay, cool. Cause I'm going to pick anybody's brain that I can, you know, right. I, I want to learn. I was so, I still am, but I was just so hungry to make it somewhere and, and get knowledge and get better and like be able to talk to the people that a lot of guys are afraid to talk to and, and just get their opinions on things and see how they view the business and see how they see things. I was always fascinated by that. Um, and so I got to Matt's place. And he popped in a Bruiser Brody DVD and threw down a bottle of Crown. He said, we're finishing this tonight. And I said, okay. And we sat there and had a bunch of drinks and watched Brody. And I just listened to him talk for hours.
0: Is that when you started becoming like a big Brody fan or did you know about Brody?
1: I mean, I knew knew about Brody and I I loved him, but I, I didn't realize Matt was really the one that started telling me a lot of the behind the scenes stuff about Brody. And how he truly was one of the boys and how important it is to look out for each other. Um, And so once I kind of got that that side of it and and saw that side of him, that's what really sold me on, like, this guy's awesome. This is the guy. You know, him and Terry Funk, I think, you know, top, at least top five. I mean, if not top two.
0: With... Brody and stuff. Did you emulate after that? Start emulating him because it seems like you got, you know, some some stuff from him. You're not copying, but well, yeah, you take.
1: Um I took the chain. I yep. started using the chain. What I wanted to do was uh make it like I was king of the dog collar match because nobody really does dog collar matches anymore. And so the chain would kind of help be a reminder of that in the matches I was in that weren't dog collar matches. Right. But it's tough when you have indies that don't do storylines or um, don't have TV, you know, so I, but I still kept the chains cause I thought they looked cool. And I thought that, um, nobody else was doing it at the time that I, that I knew of. And yeah, that's kind of just where it came from.
0: Matt Bourne. Was it like knowledgeable? Yes. And like all this other stuff, but did you know of Matt and, and the Doink character and, you know, his history in the business? Did you oh, know all yeah. that going in? Okay.
1: I mean, yeah. Anybody who grew up and will t- and tells you that they weren't scared of the original Doink, I'd say it's full of shit. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. I thought he was pretty great. The original Doink, pretty great. Oh, you froze. Are you still there? Can you hear me?
1: You're frozen. You froze. Uh oh. Now, yeah, you're good.
0: Okay, I was going to say yeah, I, I, I can. Like, I, I, yeah, no problem there. Yeah, it always happens. But uh, I was going to say I kind of like the original <laughs> Doink though.
1: Oh, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. You know, he was so good in the ring. And what he put into that character, I mean, it just bled through every time he was on screen.
0: It was so different, though, because cartoony WWE, we got this, like, psycho clown who could actually, like, work and move and, and wrestle. Yep. But it's like, like, what is this guy all about? It was very confusing as as a young fan. It's like, what is this guy all about? He's jokey, and then he's, like, maniacal. It's awesome character yeah
1: yeah he was amazing
0: when you got with him and you're training with him and you're learning stuff from him like you said you're you're drinking crown with him you're hanging out with him and stuff Mm -hmm. what's like some other advice he's giving you for yourself and your character is it just like the brody stuff or is he telling you other stuff like hey you need to tweak this you need to do that like how is he helping you
1: It was a little of both um and he definitely passed on a lot of the stuff that brody had taught him or that he learned being around his dad or around MoonDog Maine um, or around Pat Patterson as, as a kid you know like they MoonDog Maine and Pat Patterson and Tony Bourne would ride uh from Portland to San Francisco and back and Matt would be in the car as as a kid and so he literally grew up in the business on the road you know and you don't really get that a lot anymore so he had all this knowledge from all these different eras and it was really it was a lot he was an encyclopedia of what to do and what not to do, and what makes sense and what doesn't.
0: Almost uh, undervalued or underappreciated a little bit. I feel like Matt Bourne hundred percent, hundred percent. When you finish up with him, is it just like Taz is next, and then it's off to NXT, or like what happens no. in between?
1: No, I didn't like finish up with Matt. We were just always very close, even when I was training with Taz, and then Matt would call Taz. And like, get updates about me. Like, oh, okay. cause, like, because Matt and I just were friends. You know, he was he was really like an uncle to me. If if any, if I can explain the relationship, you know, he was like the cool uncle, and um, took me on the road with him and showed me a lot of stuff and, and taught me a lot of things. And, and I just he saw wrestling, saw the entire industry so differently than everybody else, in very much a Brody type of way. And just made me feel okay to to be different and okay to treat it like it was realer than it is. And, you know, because it it was a lot of people weren't taking it serious anymore. And he was very like, if you do, it's going to make you stand out. And it did. Because I did take it serious. And I treated it as though it was real. You know, and I think that's the... That's what people don't understand, and this will get me on a whole rant, so I'm not going to get too into it. But when I hear people now go, oh, wrestling is art, I disagree wholeheartedly. In my opinion, wrestling is a science because it's based around human psychology, which is a science. There's an art form to wrestling, which is to make it look like you're killing the person without touching them so that you can work 300 plus days a year and earn a living and feed your family. That's the art form of wrestling. A lot of people, not saying everyone who says wrestling is art is like this because it's not. A lot of very talented guys believe that. I believe the opposite. I'm cut from a different cloth. And a lot of the people that hear about the art form of wrestling kind of twist it to fit themselves because they can't do it. And they're just like, oh, well, it's art, it's subjective. Well, maybe. But I, I just disagree. It's just my opinion.
0: I always think that when they say, like, oh, this guy thinks this match was great and wasn't. I'm like, it's subjective to a point. Like, you could tell the guys who can work and can't work. and You could tell the guys that are literally killing right. themselves for, for, like, a pop or whatever that yeah. doesn't need to happen, doesn't need to be there. That it's almost just like, okay, they're doing that to get some sort of reaction because they can't really work, you know?
1: Yeah. And I, I've told this to any person I've ever trained. There's not one right way to do it. You know, I could have my own way of doing it. And, you know, all the trainers at NXT could have their own way of doing it. And all those ways may be right, but we can all agree when it's bad. So we can disagree on what's right, what's wrong, or what's best, or what may work better, but all of it is still good if it's done right. But when we see something bad, Every single one of us looks at each other and goes, whoa, that was the shit. So there's definitely a wrong way to do it, but there's no one definite right.
0: It's funny too, because I was watching an old school match and you could tell that it wasn't like a screw up or anything, but there was something there that didn't maybe go right or something, but you can't really notice it because they're so quick and they're calling in the ring and boom, they change directions and they go in a different, and the crowd is still really into it. So watching something not that long ago, let's just say on TV, and you could tell mm-hmm. they were screwing up the spots and they screwed something up, so they went back and they started doing it again. I was like, oh, Fair you back. could tell guys calling the ring or guys that know how to wrestle, guys are just remembering spots.
1: Well, that, and that's the thing, right? When you sit in the back and just remember, 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 you're leaving no room for the most important part, and that's the audience. Yep. So if, if I rehearse all this shit in my head and I'm like, all right, I remember right, A, B, C, D. Okay, cool. I got it. I think I got it. Hey, let's go over it again. And you spend all day doing that. And then the crowd that paid money to sit every every 18 inches doesn't react And you go, oh, maybe they didn't get it. Let's do it again. No, it just didn't work. And you have to be able to adapt. But if you're not sitting there and watching them the whole night and be like, okay, they're reacting really well to this kind of stuff. Maybe we should change it up. That's on you. You're not taking pride in what you're doing. You're just going, well, we got their money. I'm going to give them what I give them. And that's bad business. That doesn't grow a fan base. That doesn't keep people coming back.
0: Why do you think that shift happened? Like, what changed in wrestling that so many guys went to, like, calling the ring and, and, you know, working, and then now it's, like, memorizing stuff and high spots? What changed do you think, and when do you think that changed?
1: I don't know, and I'm not so sure that that was the big shift that kind of ruined it, because you, if you're good enough and you know where your reactions are, you can kind of plan it out. You just have to be good enough to go somewhere else if it goes wrong, you know? Um, so I don't know if that was the big shift. I think society as a whole kind of sh- made a shift around like 2016 or late 2015. Um, not then specifically, but just that was when I came back on the Indies was 2016. And the young guys that I would run into, not all, just there was a select few that I was like, man, if you would have pulled this or talked like this when I was – coming in, if you were coming up with me, guys would have beat your ass and kicked you out of the business. And I'm not condoning like beating somebody up. I'm just saying like people have been given way more leeway to express really shitty opinions than they should be. Right. Because they don't know what they're talking about. And they'll talk like they've been everywhere in the world and they've been, you know, within a 40 mile radius for three years and they think they know something. Might know a little bit, but you don't know. you don't know what guys who have been there know. You know, and so it's a lot. Of, it goes back to what I said before. The reason all the people that helped me helped me is because I shut my mouth and kept my eyes and ears open. And I don't know if it's just you know a societal thing, or I was just raised differently, or grew up in a different environment. I don't know what it is, but it was just something that really struck me as odd. Where I was like, "Wow, these guys really think that their shit don't stink, and they're not really good."
0: strange it's like it's you're like, like almost like old school and they're like new school but it you know what i mean but there shouldn't be that separation there but
1: you know there shouldn't be because i i've worked with a lot of new school guys and the styles gel really well when you both work together it's great it's fun and people like it and it gets reactions and i don't know it's and i don't want to make it like oh the kids nowadays it's not that it was just like a select few but they stuck out so much like sore thumbs where i was like what is going on here and I don't know if it was just a lack of uh, locker room policing because people are afraid that of oh, if I if I check somebody, they're going to run on Twitter and cancel me or whatever. You know, like
0: mm-hmm. I don't know if
1: it's just that fear. But I mean, at some point, the kind of the, the wheel goes around, you know. So at some point, it's going to go back around to that, and there's going to be a lot of guys that aren't going to be able to to hang because they're going to go. Where where where'd all these men come from? You know, it's. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, again, just my opinion, just something that I noticed. Um, and I, I don't know where the big shift was, but, you know, wrestling's always evolving. Look at Terry Funk and how he wrestled in 86 compared to what he was doing in 96. True. You true. know, times change, but the wheel eventually comes back around. And I think you're seeing that now with NXT.
0: For sure. It seemed like for a while they went with a lot of the smaller indie guys, and now they're kind of we're winding it back and you got the Braun breakers and Grayson Waller. is not a big guy, but he's bigger, you right. know, he's a former uh, rugby player, or whatever it means, a former big athlete, yeah. Eli Drake. I mean, there's, there's some bigger guys that are in NXT now for sure. Absolutely.
1: You know, and it you can kind of see from right around the time that I got released until this past year guy, it was like the roster was getting smaller and smaller and smaller, not in terms of how many people were there, but just in terms of size and who they were signing. And, you know, anybody that knows anything about Vince McMahon, eventually he's going to wake up one day and go, why is everybody so small? Yes. So, and, you know, and I had made mention of that just to, like, a couple buddies in, like, 2015 maybe. I said, if they keep going this route, one day he's going to wake up pissed off and nobody's going to know what to do. And it seems like one day he woke up really pissed off and nobody knew what to do and
0: yeah.
1: everything changed. So, it's but again, that's just the circle coming back around. And it'll go back to, you know, they had cruiserweights in the early 2000s and the mid-2000s, right? And then it went back to the bigger guys, and then it went back to the cruiserweights, and then it went back to the it's, – it's, it's just the circle goes around. It doesn't change.
0: I guess the, uh, the story goes Vince visited – the performance center and stuff I guess a year ago or so. And then mm-hmm. he probably came back and then all these changes happened. So, you know, exactly what you just said what he said. Like, where's all the big guys, you know what I mean? Like, I like Steiner's kids here, you know, a kid here, where's all the other big guys? Like, right. he definitely thought that. And then, but you
1: know, maybe, you know, it's in the not that those little guys can't draw money. I've seen it a thousand times. They can't, there's guys right. that are really, really talented, but look at how big Bron breaker blew up when they just kind of, put a singlet on him and put, gave him some TV time and he had a personality yep. and look how quick everybody just went oh, like a magnet and was like, this guy's awesome. Yep. I did, but it's because we haven't seen that in so long, you know? And it's, I think it's just one of those things that, uh, you know, they always say this about like when guys would leave a territory, you know, you have to go away to come back. So you can't have a big comeback angle if you don't go away first. And so it's the same thing, you know, the the, the smaller guys and the cruiserweights are, and and the the really fast paced guys are some of my favorites to watch. I mean, I watched Jody Fleisch against Johnny Storm when I was on a show in the UK, and I felt like a little kid watching Ring of Honor DVDs, and they were still oh, yeah. doing the same stuff, and I was like, this yeah. is amazing. I mean, Jody is ten times the size now that he was then, but what I'm saying is. Those guys are so entertaining and a lot of them can be so entertaining. But if you see it every single time, eventually you're going to want to see two big dudes go and beat each other's asses. So when you do get that, the place goes nuts or the internet goes nuts and you you know because they get something they haven't seen in a while. So now the cruiserweights have a chance to kind of go away for a little bit and then things will slow down because there'll be bigger guys working to them when the next batch of guys comes along that's fast-paced and boom, 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 people are going to be like, oh, my God, this is so exciting. I've never seen this before. It's like you have. You just forgot about it.
0: Very true. It's, I just think that – I like the WCW in, in the 90s. Like They had a little bit of everything. Like yeah. The, the nice smorgasbord uh, of talent, like all over, like cruiserweights, main event guys, <laughs> big guys, like they had it all. I feel like for a while there was like everybody's small and kind of the same size, all doing cruiserweight stuff. It's like, where's the, you know, the bangers and where's like the big guys? Because like you said, right. Vince is definitely a big man guy. Hogan, yeah. <laughs> Austin is no small man. Rock is no small man. Cena, Lesnar, Reigns. Well, I mean, um, hey, that, that seems like his guys.
1: That diversity in WCW as a proud New Yorker, you can attribute that to ECW. Thank you very much. Not that I had anything to do with ECW, (laughs) but just as that pride, you know, we know, we know what Eric did. Rated a whole roster.
0: And then you got, you know, then you got the Halls and Nashes, the Hogan's. Yeah, yeah. The big guys, too. Yeah, Yeah. very good.
1: It's awesome. The buffet, if you will. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, I think that's, that's a, that's a tribute to Kevin Sullivan, who was writing a lot of that TV. And Terry Taylor, who was writing a lot of that TV, um, because a lot of those smaller guys got opportunities because of those two that they wouldn't have gotten otherwise.
0: That's true. And it's funny. I, 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 do a show with Sullivan. I talk to him all the time and he was saying that a lot of the guys were saying him. to him, Oh, he's so great. Like Nash and Hall and stuff. They would, they would say to him like, Oh, this guy's too small. That guy's too small. And then he, he would look at him. He goes, I'm their size. You're <laughs> saying I'm too small. <laughs> <laughs> So they like kind of warm him up a little bit. Like Sid had said something to him about Benoit. Well, I don't want to jout to to Benoit; well, he's too small or and He goes, uh, "He goes, we're the same size. Me and Benoit are the same size." So Sid was kind of like awkward. Like, I guess I'll do it. Yeah.
1: Uh, Kevin's awesome, man. I love him.
0: He's, he's so funny,
1: so smart, and so yep. fun, so giving. Um, I wrestled him on a Frank Goodman show, uh, maybe like six months before the pandemic, and he gave me his number afterwards. He goes, kid, whatever you need. And it was again, another one of those guys that I just came into contact with and because we knew the same people. Like, you know, he found out Matt trained me and Taz trained me and they have their history. And he was, it kind of, it kind of linked us together. And he's always been so responsive and cool when it comes to me asking him for advice. So I have, I have the utmost respect and love in the world for Kevin Sullivan.
0: And he was telling me something about when he worked with Dusty, he kind of stole a little bit from the Chic and Bobo Brazil. The small yeah. guy, if you're the heel, don't sell. You look bigger. Big guy selling looks small. You guys are on an even playing field. So the crowd buys the heels. Like never even thought about it. But like, that's true. Because Dusty is a lot bigger than Kevin. So I was like, yeah. yeah. He, he's like, and everyone thought I was going to kill him. So I was like, that is so interesting. Like, for yep. Psychology. Yeah. It's sim- it's just simple. It's, uh,
1: it's just showing the people subconsciously. The levels, you know, like if, if I'm up and this guy's bent over and down hurt, I'm clearly in control. And if that guy that's bent over and hurt is the baby face, I'm a fan who hopefully is invested in the baby face. I don't want to see the baby face down and being beat up. So I'm going to cheer or boo the heel, you know, or cheer for a comeback. Yes. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's Kevin's so smart and I, it's, he, he's definitely an inspiration of mine.
0: You know, it's so funny. We were talking like way when we first started about you and Kevin Thorne in that match. Thinking about that, it's like everybody else is kind of wrestling, you know, not cruiserweight stuff, but like a different style. And then you got these two big guys just beating the crap at each other and the crowd pops bigger than ever. So it, it, it go kind of even talking about that before, it goes back to, wow, crowd does still look for that kind of, you know, two guys just beating the hell out of each other kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, no, they absolutely do. And especially on a card of smaller guys, it makes it that much easier to get that reaction. Um, you know, it definitely helps put it that way. Um, but no, I mean, and Kevin's a pro, you know, he's been around a long time. And as much as everybody ribs him about being stiff and whatever, (laughs) you know, it's, it's just fun because it's Kevin. Like we all get a kick out of it, but, um, Hey, I'd rather, I'd rather him stiff me and the crowd react the way that they did on the times that we have wrestled, than have him not make any contact and the crowd shifts all over it, you know?
0: Yep. For sure. So,
1: yeah. Um, now I'll, 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 I'll wrestle Kevin any day of the week.
0: Just rewinding back to NXT. How yeah. did you actually get in and like get recruited? in? I love like those kind of stories. Cause I'm always thinking like, is it Johnny Ace? Who's recruiting these guys? How are they getting in? So how did you get in? So funny enough. And it ties back
1: into why we're here. Um, Tommy Fierro, was helped out a lot when he was a young kid by Bill DeMott. And he rode with Bill to a lot of shows and WWF shows. And Bill kind of took him around and, and introduced him to people and, and helped him, helped him kind of break in. Uh, so when Bill got released from Deep South, Tommy brought Bill in to wrestle for an ISPW show in Freehold. And Bill was sitting there and he was talking to Danny Doring and Little Guido. And I was kind of going over some stuff for my match that night. And I noticed him like covering his mouth, but like talking to them. And I noticed Doring kind of like glancing over at me and me and him were cool. So like, and we, you know, we're still best of friends, you know, I'm his daughter's godfather. And he's just like kind of giving me this look out of the side of his eye, like maybe hey, get your ass over here, kid. Like, come on. And so like I, but I'm, you know, just me being me, I'm not putting it over. So he's kind of like doing it more. And I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Okay. Like, we're just like talking through our eyes. (laughs) And then finally Bill goes, Hey, get over here. (laughs) I'm like, Oh, okay. Sorry. You know, playing dumb. Yep. And, uh, Bill goes, what are you doing in your match tonight? So I kind of tell him, and he's like, all right, well, I'm going to watch it. So don't fuck anything up. And I'm like, okay, yes, sir. Uh, shit, shit, shit. You know, um, But he he took the time to give me advice that night and everything and uh, gave me his email and said, if there's ever anything I can do for you, let me know. I said, okay, yeah, thank you, you know. And then there was really nothing going on, and I was starting to get a little worn out on wrestling, you know. Nothing was happening. I did the first ever uh, Ring of Honor tryout where they signed Mike Bennett and I forget who else they might have signed from that first one. I think it was but definitely maybe Bennett and Taven. Um, but regardless, like, didn't get chosen for that. Taz got me a TNA Dark. That didn't go the way it was supposed to. Um, didn't get a yes from that. And then I was like, well, shit, I could put all this time in and just wanted to wrestle on TV. And then all these TV companies are telling me no. Maybe I made the wrong choice here. And, you know, I just wasn't really feeling good about myself. And I was down on my luck. And I said, you know, and then by that point, Bill had gotten rehired as the head trainer and developmental. And I said, you know what? I got this guy's email. I never used it. I'm sure everybody's blowing him up, but let me talk to him. I mean, let me take one last shot at this before I quit. And I emailed him and he got back to me maybe three minutes later. I was like, oh, what are your stats these days? And I told him, he said, okay, uh, tomorrow, call this person in the office, tell them that I specifically said for you to call and get booked as an extra. I was like, whoa, what? Okay, thank you. Like, what, <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> right. Because I had been so now uh, just accustomed to rejection. And then this guy was like, yeah, hey, call this person and get booked. And I'm like you could just call people and get booked. You don't have to send your stuff in to anybody. Like what the hell's going on here? And I went and got booked as an extra and uh, was not going to call anybody out, but was wrestling somebody who's on the roster in a non-wrestling role. And I wasn't really looking to call much anyway. And this was just like the extra matches while the doors are still closed and there's no audience. And I know they want to see you work on the fly. So, like, I wasn't really looking to call anything, really, but one spot. I wanted to do this one specific heat spot because nobody would do it or have the balls to do it. And I go up to the, to the kid who I know, and I tell him, like, hey, uh, I just want to talk to you about one thing. He goes, whoa, whoa, I caught my stuff in the ring. And then I got hot. And then the Matt Bourne came out of me. And we had like five minutes, and the bell rang, and I just beat the brakes off him—not to hurt him, but like my stuff was laid in because I was angry. Because, like, yeah, I know I call most of my stuff on the fly too, buddy. Like, you know me. Don't try to big league me because you think you have an in here, you know. Yep. So that came out. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm getting, I'm, I'm gonna get fired before I'm even hired. They're gonna kick me out of the building. And uh, William Regal and Scott Armstrong both just gave me like the come here and i was like oh they're mad they think i beat him up they think i beat him up oh shit and regal goes i'll talk to you later but there's uh, hasn't been that many impressive people that i've seen that have just done what you've done so you should be very happy with yourself go sit over there
0: i'm like
1: okay thank you and then scott armstrong was like who trained you cuz you got <laughs> the best footwork i've seen in the last 10 years it's like you can't you can't teach somebody footwork like that and I was like, uh, Matt Bourne. And he was like, this was just the first thing that popped in my head. I was like, Matt Bourne. And he goes, well, that explains it. Go sit down. And I'm like, okay, yes, sir. Thank you. And then like, so now I'm on this whole roller coaster of emotions. And, uh, I go to cut a promo in front of Regal and Matt Stryker was there and I hadn't met Stryker, but we ran in enough of the same circles where he knew who I was, but wouldn't put it over. Cause he's weird. Um, and he's okay with me saying that cause he knows he's weird. And I yeah. tell him at least once a week that he's really fucking weird. Um, but yeah, uh, Matt kind of walked up to me cause I regal had me cut a promo. I cut it. He loved it. He had me do it again and again and again. And then he went to get one of the writers, which Matt was like, this doesn't happen. Knock it out of the fucking park. I was like, okay. Writer came in the room. I did it again. He loved it. And then uh, Regal goes, I want you back the next time we're in the area next month. You know, call the office, the same person that Bill told me to call, and say that I specifically said for you to be booked on that. And I was like, all right, cool, thank you. And I'm like, what's going on right now? Right. And I didn't realize that, you know, it was all the work and time I put in. And listening to the guys that came before me, that was just it paying off, you know, and it didn't hit me until the next, the next time around, um, they were cutting promos again. And I really wanted to cut another promo because I knew how much Regal liked my promo. So I wanted, I wanted to keep it in his head, you know, like I want to cut a promo. So I went to striker and I'm like, I'm not on the list. How come I'm not on the list? And he looked at me and he said, uh, you spoke enough last time and now it's time for you to let the people that need to speak for you speak for you oh wow and i went okay but can i cut a promo (laughs) um and so i just went and sat in catering and paul Heyman comes over and can i sit here i'm like uh yeah can i sit here (laughs) he's like tell me about yourself and i mentioned taz and then he lit up and then all of a sudden me and Paul are talking and he's talking to me. Like I've known him for 20 years. Um, and then Regal comes and gives me another one of these. I'm like, oh my gosh, shit. This better be good news again. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like when he keeps doing this shit. Cause then I think I'm in trouble. <laughs> and, uh, he goes, I just want you to know, I got you a tryout. This was in November. He goes, I got you a tryout in February. Um, He goes, I love you at the size you're at, but they're going to run you into the ground. So it might be worth it to drop a couple pounds. I said, okay, no problem. And um, went down to the tryout. I lost like 40 pounds in that three months. Wow. Yeah. um, I quit my job. I was working as a clerk in the Brooklyn District Attorney's Office, like pushing papers and doing some legal stuff. Um, I quit got a job at the gym that the strength coach from taz's school was working at as a front desk guy so that i could train with him when my shift was over and then uh train with him you know either at the beginning or end of the shift and then if it was at the beginning i would stay extra and just like push the sled and do like just these crazy workouts that he gave me and it paid off when i had my tryout because you know, Jr. was like, well, what if we asked you to get down to 295? And I think I was at, like, 305. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. And Regal stood up and said uh, he lo- he dropped a lot of weight from when he was told about this tryout till the actual tryout. So I have no doubt he could lose 10 pounds. It's not a big deal. And he vouched for me. You know, that always meant the world to me. Um, and, yeah, that was it. Like tryout went great that was where i first met dusty and jerry briscoe and uh i mean yeah it, and that was really it like once that happened a couple months later i got a call like hey uh you're moving to florida okay let's go
0: and you're in when do they uh, you know, give you the name and, and and bring you into the performance center like how many months after that when the tryout till yeah. actually getting in
1: um, trial was in February. I got called in April and I reported in July as the first class of the performance center.
0: Well, oh, pretty quick. They moved yeah. you along. Yeah. And they give you the name Bull Dempsey. They say you you're going to be nope, Bull that Dempsey. Was, that was in. all me.
1: I picked that. I, I, I came up with that and pushed it through and fought for it.
0: Well, you're one of the lucky ones because sometimes I hear that they give you a crappy name. You're stuck with it, you know. Still well, you of know, guys. it's
1: funny, right? There's all this uproar about uh, Pete Dunn being Butch. Uh, Butch was one of the names I put on my list thinking, oh, they'll never use this. <laughs> um, but not realizing that Bill DeMott's nickname for his son was Butch. So he loved it, and he kept trying to get me like, oh, yeah, I think you should be Butch. And I'm like, no, I don't want to be Butch. I want to yeah. be Paul. And he's like, no, I really think you should be Butch. And I'm like, I don't want to be Butch. Please don't make me Butch. And so now it's funny that uh, that Pete has it now. Uh, but, you know, he's so talented, man, that a name isn't going to hold that kid back. He's awesome.
0: Hey, if you can give a guy a name Dolph Ziggler and the guy got it over, I mean, yeah, anybody I, can get You mean, know what I
1: mean? People, yeah. I think people are just so – overreactive now over nothing
0: it's like just
1: stop like you're ruining this for everybody like trying to enjoy it like okay the name sucks for now but you know what like the gimmick is cool at least at least it gives him something he's not just another wrestler right so just like just let it play out and enjoy it everybody needs to go outside for a couple days or something and just relax
0: like Baron Corbin is not the greatest name in the world, but he made it work. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah, just he made a lot it. of
1: stuff work, man. He's come a long way, and I'm, I'm proud of that guy. I've, you know, we
0: we wrestled up and down
1: Florida for a while, and uh, you know he's really coming
0: to his own. You guys had a good feud there. You had a good run, especially initially in NXT. You, had, yep. you know, a bit of an bit undefeated streak at first. The crowds always chanting Bull. Did you enjoy the the time in NXT? Because it seemed like at first it was getting a nice, good little push. So
1: for as much as like when you're in the pressure cooker, you can get down and complain or like just be frustrated with things. At the end of the day, and Robbie Brookside always said this to us, and this really stuck with me a lot through my time there. We had these key passes to get into the door at the PC. And Robbie goes, look around. He goes, eighty of you have this key, and there's tens of thousands of people, basically lined up outside this door, that would stab their mother in the throat to have one. But you all have one, and that kind of always really, that always did it for me. You know, of like yep. kind of keeping that perspective of like, yes, yeah, some days sucked. Yes, some days we had to do things that were just stupid that we were just doing to do busy work. And yes, like we were like there was times we got fucked with, but at the end of the day, we were in that top 1%. You know, and even if it's, you know, oh, I want to get called up. I want to get called up. Well, look. There's a lot of guys in Major League Baseball that want to play and they're on the bench. But you have a much better chance of seeing the field from the bench than from triple-A or double-A or single-A. So at least you're on the bench. You're next in line. You're literally right there. So don't get too frustrated with it. Don't let it eat you up like that, you know?
0: Did you mind Bull Fit when they gave you the Bull Fit gimmick?
1: No. Um, Because, look, with – and, and, you know, Kevin and I spoke about this when it happened because a lot of people tried to turn Kevin Owens and I against each other. To Try to like cause this competition that didn't need to happen. And Kevin and I just kind of like clicked one day and I was like, Hey, are they doing this to you? And he's like, yeah, are they doing it to you. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, yeah. Okay. Screw that. That's stupid. He's like, we're not even the same wrestler. I'm like, exactly. Like we both work different styles. We don't look the same because we're heavier guys with beards. We don't have the same body type. Um, again, we don't work the same style, but we both respect what the other does. And I think that's where people a lot of times are like, oh, you must hate Kevin Owens. I don't, I don't hate anybody, really. I like Kevin. I'm happy. He just signed a big deal, and I'm, I couldn't be more happy for him. He's a family man. Um, you know, he, he he was always cool to me. I can't – you know, I'm not going to hate on that guy. It's, it's stupid. And people try to push that so hard. I don't get it. Um, but a lot of guys, I think, in that position, when a guy comes in and takes your spot um, – but they also had Corbin. So how many ass kickers are you going to have on a show before it's the same thing every segment? So somewhere something has to give and whether it should have been me or not is what it is. I'm not bitter about it. Um, But a lot of guys in that spot, if they didn't have the equity put in that I did or, you know uh, what I put in at the PC or the effort that I made or any of that stuff, any of that equity, if that wasn't there, And that was somebody else. They probably would have gotten released instead of being repackaged. And so I was very fortunate for Hunter to come to me and say, hey, I got this idea. You're going to think I'm nuts, but I think it'll work. And he laid it out for me and I went, yeah, I'm in. Done. Like instantaneous. Yes, let's do it. And that was it. We were off to the races. Like, Okay, work with Dusty and come up with some stuff. And we did
0: with bull fit like is one of those things where like okay i'm getting tv time this is great i'm gonna make it work no matter what i mean that's the mindset
1: absolutely you know and i had done comedy before and nobody there knew it so i think for a lot of people they thought it was a test to like oh let's see if he could be funny so i've done this a million times but they never saw it they never saw me wrestle as a giant baby smoking a cigar (laughs)
0: <laughs> right maybe you know? Huey. yeah
1: yeah like i've done it like okay easy let's go i can i can do it with my eyes closed and so and i think that's why it worked because it came so easy to me that it was so easy for the fans to invest in
0: overall though were you happy with the time in nxt and were you surprised when you got the release
1: i was really surprised i thought i was getting a raise wow I told that story before i uh I thought I was either getting called up or getting a raise because Santino had just been forced to retire with his neck injury. And so uh, there was that open comedy spot on the main roster. And Vince loves self-deprecating humor, and here's Bullfit. Right. Like, yeah, of course this is going to get called up. Are you kidding? I didn't think that. I was still kind of pessimistic about it. But everybody else was like, dude, you're going, like, That's it. Like, there's no way. There's no way this doesn't. I'm like, yeah, all right, well, we'll see. And uh, sure enough, I get called in the office and I'm like, oh, wow, like this, this is actually going to happen. And then it was, oh, well, you know, I'm sure you know why I'm here. It was from Canyon Seaman, who I I love. He was always good to me. Uh, So I I think, you know, why I'm here. And I'm like, am I getting called up? (laughs) No. As if, like, I should have already known I was there to get released. And I was like, Oh, this will be fun. And he's like, What? And I go, like, oh, Nope, let's go get this done. And we had a conversation. And it was, it was, it was a good talk because um, we both respected each other a lot. And I was given kind of the luxury of not having to be escorted to my locker to clean it out. Um, I was just kind of allowed to, hang out for a little bit and pack my stuff up and, and leave on my own accord, uh, which I was really grateful for. Um, and then I got in the car made a booking email, sent out a tweet. And, uh, that was the end of that, you know,
0: that was it. Wow. Pretty shocking. You think you might get called up and they release you. That's kind of out of nowhere.
1: Yeah. But you know what it's happened to him. You know, look at all the releases that have happened recently, you know, It it happens. It's business. It's It's not something to sit there and cry over. You know, you just, hey, without them, I wouldn't still be able to make a living off of wrestling. Without that platform to put my name out there, I wouldn't still be here, geez, six years later. That still feels like yesterday. That's what's so crazy to me. But I wouldn't be here six years later still being able to make a living off this. And it's because they gave me that platform. So how can you be bitter about that? All right, it didn't go the way you wanted it to. Dust yourself off, try again. But I don't know. I guess it's just different mindsets, and uh, it's—I'm not afraid to fail, and I think that's what separates me from a lot of people.
0: That's a good thing, though, to, and great advice for people out there. Don't be afraid to fail.
1: Never. You can't.
0: You can't be afraid of anything.
1: You just gotta go, go get it, go take it.
0: Now, as we hit the wind down, we head towards the finish here. What's next for you? What, what else do you got coming down the pike?
1: Uh, your guess is as good as mine, but I've been recently getting into some acting stuff that I'll be announcing soon. Um, but, you know, I'm not trying to kind of have that thing of, oh, I'm going to get into acting now because I was in WWE, or I'm going to be the next rock. Like, no, like, I enjoy doing it. Um, if something comes of it, great. But if not, I'm never going to not be a wrestler, you know, unless I can't walk or God forbid, get hurt or, you know, just just knock on wood there. Um, You know, I'm I'm always, until I stop loving it, I'm not going to stop doing it. And I'm never going to take no for an answer. Nobody can stop me from doing what I want to do. Nobody's ever going to stop me from doing anything that I want to achieve. And who knows? You know, I'm still, I'm still young enough to go chase it one more time. So, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot out there right now. So, don't be surprised if uh, this next year looks pretty good.
0: And of course, ISPW 325 Totalwood, New Jersey. You'll be there against HC Loke, yeah. ISPWWrestling.com for all uh, ticket information. Should be a good one. ISPW usually is, right? I mean, should That's be a good one.
1: Always a blast. And you never know who's going to show up. Tommy always books surprises. So Carlito was a surprise last month. That was cool. It's
0: good to Man. see him again. That's a good one. I'm hearing there might be some legends in the area that day. So <laughs> I'm hearing the same. Yeah, so pretty cool. But before we let you go, give us all the plugs where everybody can find your social media and otherwise. Uh,
1: at RealBullJames James on Twitter and Instagram. I'm not really much of a Twitterer anymore. It's becoming too much of a cesspool. But uh, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, Facebook is Bull James. Um, I'm on uh, Cameo, and actually, right now, any Cameos through March thirty uh, March twenty first. Sorry. Any cameos from now through March twenty first, uh, all the proceeds are going to Ukraine relief, and I'm not give I'm not taking a single cent. It's all going there, so come on by and get yourself a cameo, and help a good cause.
0: Great stuff as always, Bull. Thank you so much for all the time. I know you're super busy, so thank you. Appreciate all the time. Hey right, man, thank you. It
1: was great to catch up with you, and I can't wait to see you again.
0: Brother.